everybody. Today's episode is an interview I did with Eric Forney uh, on our Livian podcast. Eric and I talk about what it means to truly live a 200% life, and I share what prompted me to start looking inward and what I discovered when I did. I explain the importance of surrounding, surrounding, <laughs> surrendering, right? It's not surround. I feel like it's surrounding. This is where when I start reading yeah. scripts, like if you're listening to this, like I, I usually just, everyone does podcasts a little bit differently. I can, I don't like reading from a script. I think mm-hmm. I've shared that yes, with this audience yes, before. I just don't. Anyways, <laughs> the importance of surrendering, but still interacting with life. It's not about passivity. It's about how do you, what part of you surrendering. Again, it's all about that personal mind. I also touch on my own philosophies and growth, what self-mastery looks like for me, and how not being too attached to goals has impacted my life and how it can impact yours. So hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Livian Podcast, a show that helps successful real estate teams accelerate their growth and impact. Livian, love how you live in all aspects of life. All right, so this week I'm joined with Adam Hergenrother, and Adam, you are a man of many titles, <laughs> and, uh, and so I just want to start this conversation the same way we do all of them, which is, who would you say you are? Hmm. Well, I guess the question would really have to come is, are we answering that from a spiritual side or are we answering that from the roles that I play in society? Unpack that for me. Yeah. So, well, there's 200% life, right? There's 100% outer world, 100% inner world. And so when people ask me who I really am, I mean, I'm the one that's the participant of life. I'm the one who sees. I'm the one who experiences life, right? How can you not be, right? If, if I hold <laughs> yeah. up, like when you looked in the mirror when you were 10, you saw Eric right? This body, but like, it's the same you looking in the mirror today. You're seeing a different resemblance. I was actually talking to somebody yesterday. They said, I went and got my new photo taken, um, here at living in advance. Yeah. And I looked at the photo and I was like, how can that be me with these wrinkles? Like, I don't feel old. I'm like, cause you're not yeah. right. The real you are, but then you, there are these roles, these responsibilities, the mechanics of life that we play, right? So then, you know, I'm a CEO, but remember this goes beyond that too, Eric, right? You're a CEO, you're a leader, but then in other times you're not, yep. right? So we can never be attached to the roles. So when mm-hmm. people say, yes, there's titles for the simplicity or for the awards or whatever people want to take away from that or hierarchy, because that's important in organizations, you can have different things. But the reality is, is we all play different roles at all times. And the thing is, if we're not playing that role and we're believing that we're still that role and we're not playing it, then that becomes a problem. For instance, let me just extrapolate that a little bit. Um, If you are a, you're up, you know, you're leading an organization and then you go home and you try to take that same presence of leading your family, that may or may not go over so well, right? Or when, or that same level of tone that you take when you go and talk to your kids or you talk to your brother or your mother, that may not go over so well, Mm -hmm. right? Because you still believe it. Or if you're up on stage speaking to 10 or 10,000 people and you buy into the fact that you're this wonderful person that people are, are, you know, adoring or whatever it is while you're on stage, sure maybe you're a teacher and you're a big teacher and influencer at that point but the minute you get off stage you should drop that role yeah. that you're playing you know i love as as you know eric i love talking about spirituality and personal growth but when i get with my friends who like the mountain bike i'm not sitting there going okay. hey who do you guys think you are right <laughs> like i mean if it comes up naturally yeah that's fine but i don't go around 
Or, or at the same time, I don't go in there and be like, hey, how many employees do you guys have, right? If, if it naturally comes up for a conversation, yeah. they are. So those are just, you know, we had an 80s contest or a costume party last night, right? And it's like everyone dressed up, but nobody walked in this morning thinking they were the same people they were last yeah. night. They talked about it and they could understand it. So this whole question about like who you are, um, I think has a lot of significance to it because I think people get caught into the roles they play and then they believe they have to uphold to this role and if they don't uphold to it to a certain level or keep growing it or people try to attack their role they play, they end up suffering at some level. Mm -hmm. Whether you're a parent that has dedicated themselves to being the best parent ever and then when they, they never want their kids to go or they never want to let go of that because they've identified with that yeah. role, right? Or you're the CEO of a company and you can't let go of that and you've identified your role and everything in between, right? And so this question of who we are I think is really important because it helps us detach from the actual events that are unfolding in life and just being able to watch the events unfold and then I'll let you go. But, um, you know, my life is no different than yours, Eric. Mm -hmm. You and I are both here watching a series of events go by. You've watched a whole series of experiences go by for your, how old are you? 39. 39, for your 39 years. Yeah. And I've watched a whole series of events go by for my 41 years. So I see you and I as perfectly the same. Yeah. The difference between other people is they've gotten attached to these scenes that pass by instead of watching it just like what it is, which is just a passing movie. I think we talked about it the other day. It's like people wear a mask or, or to your point from last night's examples, like people wear a costume. Yes. And they take oftentimes that costume from one, one party to the next party of life and don't realize that, that they can often um, adapt to that or that there's something else inside. Where did you, where did you uh, or what led you to have that awareness or realization that you live a 200% life, the inner and outer? Yeah, I mean, the short answer is, you know, I, you know, when I was 15, I'll make this real fast, I obviously had this, this growth experience. I'm not even gonna say spiritual or personal, I'll just say, I just had this awareness that like this life that I was living. But was that from your parents or well, from? it was, no, you know, it, 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 it came from just, just this deeper calling, a nudge, okay. a, a kind of movement within your energy field. I mean, we all know what that feels like. There's yeah. like an udge, there's a nudge, there's a move, there's a calling, whatever you wanna to refer to it as, just words anyways. And up until that point, I was really trying to live everybody else's life. I was trying to please everybody else. And so one day I just kind of woke up and said, yeah, yeah, I don't think this is it. Like, I don't think this is why I'm here. And of course I can say it much easier now, but at the time I, I didn't. And fast forward, that I had that same conversation with myself about 10 years later when I hit some certain financial goals. Because I, at first I was like, hey, you know what, man, if I get $500,000 in yeah. income, Eric, like, Everyone tells me how awesome I'm gonna feel, how amazing I'm gonna be, how great yeah. the world is, how everyone's just gonna bow down to you. I mean, I'm being a little facetious, yeah. but that's kind of the culture that we live in. It's For like, sure. if you really wanna go make it, go make a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. And so then we all, in that, that era of, of being culturized, go, well, shit, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go make a bunch of money. And so you go bank a bunch of I'm money. Solve all my problems. Yeah, I'm gonna solve all my problems. Yeah. And you realize that actually doesn't solve all your problems. And mm -hmm. for me, it actually almost, amplified the hollowness that I was feeling from before. And that at that point in time, I said, there's gotta be something more life than because this. Because you got what you wanted and then it didn't give you what yes. you actually wanted and yes. needed. From, you know, when people get what they want, what is it really, 30 seconds, a day, yeah. Yeah. two days? I mean, honestly, you buy a brand new car, how, how, how much fun is it for a brand new car? What, a week? Right, I mean, you can still Maybe. love the car. Yeah, but and like you, you see other cars that look like your car. How come I didn't buy a black one? <laughs> yeah. 
I, you know what, maybe I should go buy a white yeah. one now. I yeah. mean, people literally do this. They, buy, they spend all their entire life and they go get this wonderful material item and they love it until somebody else has something a little bit different. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I should have bought the black one. So you had this realization um, at 15 and then maybe more profoundly at 25. 26, 27, yeah. And, yeah. and I know that we've talked before, it's like you then also had um, a conversation about that you kind of almost had to go a different direction business-wise if you wanted to get what you, you actually wanted to get from a growth standpoint. What was that conversation that shifted the trajectory of your business? Well, what it was was an awareness that um, it was clarity around not wanting just to get things in life. Okay. Uh, and also wanting to go more of an inward journey and the inwards got it that can throw a lot of people off all that really means and to me just as people understand this spirituality inwardness or personal growth all that really means is that there's this inner world that you experience and really what you're doing is you're trying to manipulate the outer world i always call mm -hmm. the nouns when people places things that's finances all that stuff to get your inner world okay and that's what people are doing that's what i was doing right mm -hmm. it's like okay as long as the outer world is the way i see it and the way generally the way i want it right yep. we may kind of give ourselves a little bit like, oh, I let that one slide. Or like, as long as it stays within 10% of the way I want it, then my inner world is, is okay. But the minute that gets shaken up, right? It's kind of like, don't build your house on sand. It's been said for a while. Like the minute, the minute that gets shaken up or a storm comes and life doesn't operate the way you had envisioned or how you want it to, yeah. then you start to suffer. And so for me, I saw that, I go, well, how can, how can we, go do this spiritual route. And it's funny because early on in my life, I thought being spiritual meant like you literally would go sit in the Himalayas in a cave, like, like an Indian style. And I always yeah. joke, like it's not even comfortable sitting Indian style. Like I don't even want to do that. I don't want to have a fire and citing haikus and, or being in a silent retreat or meditation. I was like, and those are wonderful people. If that's their thing, yeah. that's it. But for me, I love building things. I actually love being part or in the world growing these things. So I said, why does it have to be one or the other? Why can't actually life be actually 200%, which is 100% this outer world, which is the goals, the roles we play, the economics, going out and enhancing your life. That's awesome, it's beautiful, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. And at the same time, go do the inner work, so regardless of what's happening on the outer side, it's irrespectable because it's, it's, it doesn't matter nearly as much because you're already at peace and fulfilled inside, then life becomes, it doesn't, so look, life becomes, I guess I would say, is much more joyous or creative or peaceful or acceptance. It doesn't mean life's still not gonna be a pain. Yeah. It doesn't mean life's still not gonna be a challenge, right? So people have this idea that if you go down this path that all of a sudden life should just, it's, it's, this is what I always refer to as like spiritual bypassing. People go, if I just go become spiritual, then life will I'll be the no way problems. I want it to. Yeah, that's right. I'll have no more problems. And yeah. that's not true either. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I actually think the more you go down this road, you actually end up having more problems because more of this stuff wants to come up so you can actually be more, more pure. You have more awareness to them, I would yeah. imagine, because you were trying to get to a future ideal self because you have awareness to that. How do you make, I mean, I think, what, obviously what you're saying makes sense to me, but there's gonna be some people, I remember the first time we had this conversation <laughs> and I've shared this with you, but I recorded the conversation and I had to listen to it probably seven times <laughs> for it to make any sense at yeah. all. And so there, there are people like me, you know, when, I first, when we first had the conversation that were so focused on the doing yeah. and the getting yeah. of a result in exchange for whatever activity I was doing. That was always focused on what do I get. Yeah. Um, 
how do you like so these are these are concepts and principles that these that's probably sound like foreign language to some people how do you maintain that that like way of thinking that belief system of showing up unattached to whatever you get yeah well let's let's tackle the first thing i think it's it's it this sounds foreign if you intellectually try to understand this yeah that's what it is but if you <laughs> actually pause for a second you, you do this all the time, like just, it's so intuitive for people and they say, oh, I, I, I had this thought. Well, who had the thought? <laughs> it's like, I don't like the way this feels. Well, who doesn't like the way this feels? Yeah. There's a subject-object relationship in everybody's language. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a psychologist to understand this. You literally are already using the language, right? Every single day. It's like, oh my, I can't handle my mind right now. I can't handle this feeling. So again, there's an I in there yeah. and there's a feeling in there. So then there's you that's experiencing this. So just first, the first step I would do, and I'll answer the second part of this question, is just be aware that there actually is this voice inside your head and there are these feelings that are in there that you are the one experienced. Because if you are the experience, therefore you can't experience it. Yeah. So if you, by definition, if you are experiencing it, then you are experiencing it. So if I held up three cards right now and one was a picture of Matt, one was a picture of, and I said, is this you? And you'd say, no. I hold a picture of Don and is this you? No. And I hold up a picture of Aaron, is this you? And you say, no. I said, well, which one of those are you? Well, none of them. Well, there's no difference than what's happening in the inner world. Okay. You're, you're, you're experiencing one thing to the next and it's, there's a subject object. You're the one looking at everything. And then associating it as me. Yes. Well then, because what we do is we, you know, I get too deep, but like you kind of drop into this physical body, wherever yeah. you come from, right? I'm not yeah. going to go into that whole yeah. thing. Maybe doesn't at some matter. point yeah. we can, it doesn't matter. You drop into this physical body and it's almost like, okay, you were just consciousness or whatever you were, right? Whatever mm -hmm. word people want to use. And now all of a sudden you've got these physical limitations and you actually, st you start to now experience objects of consciousness. Yeah. Because if you are a consciousness and there's nothing, there's no objects, then you're just basking in consciousness. Right? Then when you drop down to the physical plane, you now have, there starts to be objects of consciousness. And here's an easy way to kind of to think about this. If you and I grab the flashlight right now, we turn the lights off in this room, and I took the flashlight and I shined it on that box. Are you the box? No. The light is never what it is, right? So you are the same thing. When you turn on that light, when you come into here, you now start to see things. What happens is, is that feels those objects of consciousness have different vibrations to them, right? Yeah. Which everyone understands, right? You know, making money feels different than losing money. A rattlesnake feels different than a butterfly, right? It's a rainy day feels different than a sunny day. Yeah. Not right or wrong. You start to experience these things when they happen. You then decide whether or not you like them or not. What to associate with that experience. That's is exactly it a good right. experience or a bad experience, a frustrated one, an angry one, exactly. whatever it is. And so then, how, how does someone who's still wrestling with this concept maintain the habit of, what I heard you say is one, you have to have awareness first. Yeah. And then how do I have awareness and then let go of that? Yeah. Well, um, that's the work. The, the, the letting go, like people hear that word and they, they get really, um, they define it in a way that's passive. So surrender, and let me maybe say it this way, surrender or letting go is not letting go of interacting with life. So please, I'll just hear that, say that again. Letting go is not interacting, it's not letting go of interacting with life. It doesn't mean you're gonna stop mowing mean you're the stop lawn, being, stop taking showers. Yeah, yes, or making not, money, yeah, yeah. or going to the gym, or going yeah. skiing, or enjoying a walk. It's not, yeah. you're not letting go of that. What you're letting go of 
is your inner reaction to yeah. what's happening outside. Because that's where, the, that's where it actually has to start. Because if you're unwilling to let go there, then all you're doing is you've, you, it's like if you throw a rock into a pond mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you look up and you go, I don't like these ripples in the pond, even though the, the rock dropped into the pond. So what people do is they jump into the pond and try to smooth the ripples out. And all you're doing is you're making more. So if something happens outside, the rock dropping in the pond, an event happening and it's raining and you want it to be sunny or whatever it is, you then mentally go through this gymnastic process of being pulled down into a roll, uh, uh, you know, a, 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 a hole lower and lower and lower, so that you just get caught on this this train that is that is causing you to believe all of these things are going to happen, um, and they really just don't. Becomes this this downward spiral of like shame or of fear of the future yeah. or that you're going to get something that's going to make you feel a certain way. So that becomes the thing that when I have this conversation with people is especially those that are like, you know, the, the, what we think of as like a high D someone who just totally focused on driving for an outcome and getting something, they get hung up on that part of, well, if I don't care about the outcome and this is where I was caught too, was yeah. I'm like, Adam, I don't get this. How do I not care about the outcome? And how come you're more successful the more you don't care about this outcome? <laughs> These two things don't yeah. add up. Yeah, yeah. Well, really, that's why the, the phrase that I love to use is you need nothing, which yeah. is your shirt, right? That's Enjoy right. everything. Good timing. Right, it is perfect timing, right? <laughs> need nothing, which means that you, it doesn't mean you don't enjoy everything that's there. It doesn't mean you renounce the fruit of your labor. It's just you're not going out there and going, I need things to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't. So end up, and then when you get it, if you need it to be a certain way, you end up walking around life anxious and scared that it's gonna go away or it's gonna be taken from you or whatever it is. And so you start having to basically put all this energy on keeping the things that you think you need. So really the, the, it starts off with understanding that you're not renouncing life. What you're doing is you're, you can actually be very laser focused on your goals. And you should be, you should have goals, but remember goals have a beginning and an end. They're not the purpose of your life. And so when you understand that you go after goals, but you let go of the personal need of anything to actually happen from that goal. Yeah. So if you don't hit the goal, you don't become attached to the goal and the goal doesn't define you. Yes. It doesn't define you. It just, it, it's something that you're doing while you're here. I mean, you drop down in here with nothing. You're going to leave with nothing. And you're here for literally like half a second compared to the world's been here for four and a half billion years. It's kind of fascinating. The concept of like how people approach like healthy parenting is almost the same way you can think about business where it's, you know, you in, ideally you parent from the position of you're unattached to the outcome because you're parenting for yes. um, the service of the child that yeah. you're trying to raise for the betterment of society. Business can be the same way, right? Where you're, you're going to make the best choices independent of the outcome that you're unattached from. Well, think about it. So if you're dealing with a situation with your kids, is it better to be detached from the outcome or <laughs> yeah. attached to the outcome? Yeah. Which one produces a better result? The unattached version. Which one in business, if you're attached to needing a certain way, which one produces a better mm -hmm. result? I was talking to one of our CEOs the other day and, um, and he said, um, how do you, he said, I know that I need to be unattached from the outcome of when people quit or leave or get out of the business, whatever it is, but I'm still really struggling with that part. What, what do you tell that person? Because that's a really common thing in our industry, which is a lot of people hang on to people in their organization who they need to maybe let go of or part ways with, but they're still attached to the outcome. Yeah. Well, I think everything you have to start with 
what part of you is attached to mm -hmm. a particular outcome. So having awareness of that. Yes. And if you, if you actually start there, that process, because it becomes a process, will actually take you through the rest of the way. Right? I mean, you could sit here and I could tell people what happens to those different things and what you could do. But the first thing is, is when you, when you find yourself attached, which is awesome, you should acknowledge the fact that you're recognizing that you are attached. So therefore you then go, what part of me is holding on to it? And you realize that the part of you is actually not really real. It's yeah. like a mirage. And because well, it can go away tomorrow, right? Oh, yeah. And so basically you, once you recognize that it starts to lose its energy over you. And then that actually opens up space for a different level of clarity. And that's why a lot of all of the, I'll call them just spiritual masters. All they really are is they've just developed like Tiger Woods, the master at golf, right? Tom Brady's a master at football because they've spent their entire life kind of dedicated to these things. So the masters in spirituality, uh, if you, if you will, or yoga basically just woke up and said, hold on. I think most people got this whole thing backwards. I'm, I'm going to go work on master my inner world. So then everything I do in the outer world becomes just something that I get to be aware of. So the first step in somebody that when they say that I'm still attached to the outcome, I would go back deeper and ask a deeper question and go, what part of me is attached to this? And just and see what shows up. Yeah. You'd be amazed at the answers that come from that. Oh, I have no doubt. What do you personally do to maintain that mindset? How do you keep that awareness? Because is it possible to, to I'm assuming it's like everything else, you have to invest yeah. in that way of thinking, believing until eventually maybe you invest differently. Yeah. But, well, how does anybody accomplish anything at a high level? You, you repetition. practice, repetition. <laughs> so what right? is practice or repetition like? Well, I mean, there's thousands of techniques. In okay. fact, there's probably people that teach way better techniques than I do. But for me, in my personal life, since you asked it that way, I mean, I, you know, every morning I wake up and I meditate for 20 minutes. I then journal, right? So that this is all about making sure that I'm clear and I'm And journaling also, is like your thoughts? Or, yeah, anything that comes okay. in, right? I do journals about my kids too, but mainly for this, the journaling is a reflection of the voice that's narrating things. And, and I also journal about like, well, what part of me is upset about this? And so I really bring awareness and separation to this right? okay. within that journaling, which is why a lot of actually teachers, whatever you're teaching, actually write. Mm -hmm. It's a self-therapy process, okay. so then they write, and it's, it's no different than journaling is whether they get published or not is irrelevant, right? They just, you write this process. And so for me, that's, that's there. And then also exercise is a big one for me too as well, because that is a process in which I can feel the physical effects. I can overcome the voice inside your head that says stop or slow down or not push it through there. And so you start gaining more control, which is, you know, a definition of self-mastery can be one that is overcoming that voice inside your head that says no. Because what is self-mastery? Self-mastery is literally directing yourself to an activity, right, where there isn't necessarily this mood that is encouraging you to do it, the emotion's not there to encourage yeah. you to do it, and the voice isn't encouraging you to do it. And so self-mastery is actually recognizing that those are just things I'm experiencing. I can still have control on what I do, and then it's almost like those things get on board. Right? They instantly, like once you start, if you don't want to go for it, like how many times do you like your mind, like you've been working out a lot, right? Like, yeah. so how many times you wake up and you're like, man, I don't really need to work out, right? Every day. Every day, right? But then once <laughs> you start working out, like there's all it's of a good. sudden they start, yeah. yeah, they start going, yeah, you can push a little harder, yeah. right? It's almost like they just support whatever you decide to do it. Instead of letting that run your life, mm -hmm. you drive your life, who's in there experiencing all this, you driving it. Like your voice isn't telling you to move your knee when you run. That's right. Like there's something in, in here that's moved, like go walk to the refrigerator. Like the voice isn't, the voice may say, oh, you should go get a drink, but then it's not, it's you who's in there operating your body. You just, you, you just, you don't even know how to do it. You, you just, how, tell me how you lift your arm. You're like, I don't know, I just lift 
lift my I arm. Just lift it. What do you mean? Yeah, but just lift it, right? <laughs> yeah. And so that's the same. That's the same flow of it. You just you just become in control. So then there there are people right now as we kind of build this bridge from the two hundred percent life of inner life to business life. Um, there are going to be a lot of people, I would imagine, who look at the state of the market, where things are here towards, you know, yeah. we're in the middle of quarter four of 2022. And, and the forecast for real estate is not exactly bright and sunny. And there are a lot of people that probably have fear around that yeah. or have complacency around that. But, but mainly, I would imagine that's fear. How do you personally disconnect from that? Or how do you advise people to, to disconnect from that? Yeah. I think there. I think we got to define disconnect. I think you. It's not a. Um, it's not a renunciation of things. It's not pretending that they don't exist. Disconnect. If I just don't look at it, it's not going to be there. Um, and I think your question is is well well orchestrated. Really, what it is is actually being able to handle the situation that you're in. Yeah. If a doctor couldn't handle blood, are they any good at the scene? So it's not that the doctor isn't like going in there and be like, I don't want to look at any blood because I can't handle blood. Like a doctor walks in there and they can handle the situation. They're not detached from it or attached from it. Like they're just, they can handle the situation with very clarity. So in real estate, it's no different. You walk in right now and you go, huh, we're in a different market. Can I handle that? Yeah. And if the answer is no, then you're no good to the scene. Some people I've heard have said then recently those, I don't know. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. I don't because really what they don't know if they can handle the situation or that or, you know, uh, the example I shared is like um, Lauren, you know, she's sharing with me and, and here I am sharing it publicly two times in a row now. But uh, <laughs> I love you. It's OK. You're and yeah, and uh, but her, her story was basically like, I don't know if I'm good enough to be successful where the market is going. What if I what if I know how to win this way? Yeah. But now there's a whole new set of rules. Maybe I don't know how to win that yeah. way. Well, that's just a thought. Mm -hmm. And so then you get the choice of whether or not do I want to pay attention to that thought or do I want to go and say, huh, there it is. I see the thought. Maybe that's not a bad thought. Okay, I understand that. Then make sure I surround myself with people that are giving me the tools, the models, the systems to be successful in any market. Because remember, the market doesn't ever dictate somebody's success. It dictates your strategy. Yeah. And so from a mechanical standpoint, there's, there's new strategies that you're going to have to employ. And that's why it's, but like if you're in a scene where there's a doctor, they probably, you know, how often do they do the same incision on somebody that comes in, right? Like they have to adopt to it. They understand the strategy changes based yeah. on the person. The strategy changes based on the market that we're in. So it's, it's not about, I think you should remove the fear from this by just being, I know I'll be able to handle this. That's right. And no matter what shows up, you'll be able to handle it. Because the only thing you've ever done to get to be alive today is handle, handle whatever showed up. That's exactly right. Otherwise, you you don't you don't exist. Yes. Right. You physically, yeah. if you couldn't handle everything that's ever been thrown well, in. Well, I even joke with people. I'm like, look, like even like during like the Great Real Estate Depression, I'm like, man, our business doubled every year from a candle standpoint. But it's not like when people talk about it now. I'm like, well, the sun still showed up. I I still like. <laughs> Yeah. went on vacation. Like I still had plenty of fun. Like people talk about these words and they get so attached to the words like, right. That like, it's like, Oh, a real estate recession. Or like, I'm going to survive right now to yeah. be able to do this. It, when you're surviving, it still doesn't mean that you're not having fun. You're not making money. You're not taking it. Yes. Maybe some, instead of a big vacation, you take more of a smaller one or you take one instead of four or you do a staycation or yeah. there's different mechanical things that you can do. But this has to start with people is waking up and going, I've been here for 
30, 40, 50, 60 years. I've handled a lot. <laughs> Guess what? I'm pretty sure I can handle this too. Yeah. And you know, I, you know, I know it's not gonna be the way I want. I know it's not gonna unfold exactly the way it is. It's gonna unfold regardless of how I want it to unfold. So I might as well ride the wave of how it unfolds yeah. and adapt and adopt new strategies that bring me to be the one who's leading the change instead of being the one who's actually fighting the change. Yeah, the only choice you have in surfing is ride yes. the wave or fight it, right? <laughs> and fighting is a pretty poor yes. strategy. I know. And yet most of the time that's, I'm assuming the fighting it is what leads to the Well, you know what's so funny? Because then I, you know, sometimes you hear these clips on things. I don't really pay too much attention to social media, but like you hear it's like, oh, sometimes you just got to fight the wave or you got to paddle upstream. And people buy into this concept, yeah. right? It's like, oh, the only way I succeeded was fighting this thing. And maybe you did. Maybe you were the one. But I'm like, then I always ask the question to people because people will often, often say, well, if I didn't fight this hard, like I wouldn't be successful. I said, what would it look like if you actually didn't fight? Yeah. And you took all this energy and you put it towards the wave instead of fighting it. Sure, you made a million dollars last year. What if you actually turned this, would that have been 10? Would that have been 15 million? If you rode the momentum Because what you're benefit, doing yeah. is, you're paying attention to the result that you got based on how you were driving it. What if you actually went with the wind? Like if you're running a, if you're running a marathon and you run it in the wind the whole time, you'll finish the marathon and say you completed it. Well, what if you just turned around yeah. and ran with the wind, how much faster would you be? So when you, when you think about that from a business, how does that show up for you? Like, how do you mechanically go through business? Because I think that's a good metaphor for how I see you show up as a leader. But what do, for maybe people who don't experience that, uh, how, do you, how do you show up that way? Well, I think number one is that as a leader, really there's three things you do, right? It's number one is you cast the vision constantly and as often as possible. And the vision really, the reason why you're doing that is because you as the leader has to know the direction that you're bringing the organization. Yeah. Think about it, we had a leadership meeting the other day, right? There was what, 40 people in the room. Yeah. If, if I had took and, and everyone didn't know the direction, there'd be a lot of people working hard in all sorts of directions. This is what happens in the companies. Yep. So the leader, what their real job is, is to make sure everyone's actually looking at the same direction, mm -hmm. right? Because then everyone's gonna get the work in there. And so number two, then it's right about making sure that people have clarity and direction on where you're going. And the really point I wanted to make here is number three, which is a leader's job is to make quality decisions every day, yeah. world-class decisions. So I always go back and I break it down this way, which is how do I put myself and teach our leadership team to be in the best position possible to make the best decisions on a daily basis? Because most of the organizations when you see it, you take a zero to 10 year period and why some companies are extra, you know, um, geometrically larger than other companies isn't from one standalone event. Maybe one in a hundred companies could point to one thing, but even then I would say yeah. there's a whole bunch of series of events that pointed up to that one. What they've really done was, is they've made a 10%, 5% better decision every day than their competitor. And so geometrically that compounds, and in, that, in the last three years, you go from even to being 500 times more than the other company because of those better decisions you made. So then I always work backwards and say, well, how do I put myself in a situation to be making the best decisions possible, which is really a direct result of how much clarity do I have, which is a result of, can I handle the situation that's happening? So you said make three good decisions. Are those the, or do you only make three decisions a day? No, I, you, you look, you make, I and mean, it's all you do is make decisions all day. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is you have to make three, I think Jeff Bezos said this, he goes, my number one job as a CEO of Amazon, which is a decently sized company. <laughs> yeah, I've heard right? of that. 
right? Yeah, they've heard yeah. them, right? You, maybe they're there. Maybe Sadly, they like, show up on my credit card. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? And, and he literally said, he goes, the number one thing that I have to do every day is make three world-class decisions before 10 o'clock every day. And I guarantee he was making more decisions yeah. than three. My point is, there should be three or two that you're making that are really impacting the company. And then all the other ones are just decisions that you make and typically they're probably two-way door decisions, which is, it could be reversed or- Are you to. planning those ahead of time or those things that you know show up that says, okay, these are my priority decisions um, each th- day or do they come to you? I think um, those decisions are, are both. I think some of them, you're, a situation has arised, the market shifted, and you can do research, you can hear and triangulate, and then you're formulating a decision. So when the minute a question comes, you can answer it and people go, how'd you know the answer to that? And you go, yeah. oh, the last three weeks I've been doing research and I didn't know I was gonna need this information yeah. until it just came up right that's now. One of your, um, that's one of your superpowers, I think, to some degree, is you are um, really good at aggregating all this information from people without feeling like you're intentionally aggregating information. Like, it almost seems like you have this like file storage system of yeah. information that yeah. you learn from the organization or from small conversations. Am I getting this right that you hear something enough times and then you go, maybe there's something worth investigating? Well, what you do as a leader, especially as an organization gets larger, and you do this too, Eric, right? And people do this as an individual. I had a good mentor. <laughs> people do this as an individual agent with their clients, yeah. right? So think about, let me just break it down from an example people may regulate or, or um, relate to better. When you meet with a buyer for the first time, are you picking up all the things that they're telling you? You're so focused on what they like, where it is, what it is. And then all of a sudden you go out and all of a sudden you happen to see a for sale by owner that you see. And it happens to match 90% of what you just heard. Then you can call them up and you go, man, you're an amazing agent. Thank you so much for for putting this house in front of us. We never knew it was there because you listened to what people are. Mm -hmm. So that's a one-on-one example. When you get to running a company, what you're doing is you're actually listening to all different divisions and people inside your organization that you trust who are credible, and you're taking all these pieces of information and you are filing them in there. So the minute somebody comes from marketing and makes a decision, you can now make the decision with the basis or the foundation of supporting everybody's role instead of just understanding marketing. Mm -hmm. If somebody comes and says, hey, I wanna spend this in finance, you now have the basis and the foundation to understand globally how that decision impacts everybody. So, that, I mean, that's one of the things that people say about, about you is like, hey, you're, you're a visionary, or you're ahead of trends, and, um, and the challenge of being ahead of trends is that you piss people off <laughs> a lot of times, right? And Because it's a disruption to yeah. status quo oftentimes. Uh, I think I heard Gary say one time that that uh, vision or learning to have vision is actually a learned skill, mm-hmm. not something that's inherent. How do you learn to be innovatively visionary? Yeah, I think um, I think there's a there's a again there's a process you can do to learn, which is number one is is actually um, being a leader at a small scale and learning what works and doesn't work. Like again, your yeah. small failures build up to this. But I think ultimately too, for me, um, I always really enjoy doing things that nobody else wants to do okay. because it's hard, right? Like I just, I really enjoy diving into things. So, so, so it's like a natural is that a curiosity. growth thing? Oh, it's curiosity, okay. It's just curiosity. Like I'm like, well, why, why, why couldn't you just go run an Ironman in one year and qualify for the world championship? Why couldn't you <laughs> yeah, just go duplicate a business that you wanted to do, right? And people do this at smaller scales. And I actually love sitting in the seat when, when people are like, oh, it can't be done. It can't be done or you're gonna fail yeah. or you're not gonna do this because nobody else is willing to sit there. You know, even like when I was growing up, I, just had, I used to have these thoughts 
where I was like, I remember, I remember being like seventh, eighth grade, I'd be like, oh man, if like, we had to go to the army, like if we had to be drafted, man, my brother won't make it. Like it needs to be me, right? I'm serious, like, or like it's like, Tom's if, if we're gonna get like an injury or something, like in our, in like our team, like I can handle the injury, it's gotta be me. So it's almost like I wanted this pressure put on me to show people how to handle it. And I think I, I find that outlet in business by putting myself in these situations where showing people that I can sit here and handle yeah. this. So you can handle it too to make a clear decision. Is that why you don't like boxes being put on you or limitations, yes, like the rule component of it? Yes, yes. Rules, I have, uh, you know, there's a time and a place for them. I understand yeah. that. But this, well, well, fundamentally, like a rule was designed by somebody for somebody's benefit at some point That's in right. time. And my problem with rules is that they probably need to be changed way more often than they are as a society. Yeah. So, and that's, and that can, rules can then lead to certain stereotypes and rules can lead to certain ways organizations do things. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you should just basically radically open to changing those rules. So when people say, oh, you like to break rules, I don't really look at it as breaking rules. I just see it as like, there's a better way to do this. Yeah, what's the difference between breaking a rule and innovating? That's exactly right. And I think people like to use the word breaking because maybe it's sexier. Yeah. I just see it as like, there's a better way to do this. Well, also I think when so, if someone can say you break rules versus you're an innovator, is it also allows them to justify their own inaction yeah. or their own lack of vision and solving yeah. a potential problem that way. Yeah. So what, what gives you the most energy right now? I mean, you, um, own and operate multiple companies that are uh, incredibly successful. My assumption is you could probably uh, choose to, to scale down or scale out and do something different or nothing at all. Why continue to do this? Yeah, well, for one, I, uh, I love bringing people on this journey of personal growth through, through business. This, that business is this conduit for our own personal growth. I think, wait, I think a lot of people need to hear and understand that they can have both that you can literally have this wonderful outer life and you can have a wonderful inner life. Like, it's funny, when you talk to Eckhart Tolle, you know, he's like, the number one question I always get is, you know, how do you go to Starbucks every morning? <laughs> and he's, he literally, he's like, he's like, how come you're here? And he's like, well, I like drinking coffee. <laughs> yeah. Like, and he's like, how come, how do you drink wine? You're supposed to be a spiritual teacher. He's like, and so I think people get like these defined boxes of what people in business should be like or people that are spiritual need to be like, and they box them. Well, I'm, I, I want to bring forth the message, which I think we've done a, a pretty decent job so far at Livian, which is you can have both. Like, and so what excites me is building a massive company while not losing our way along the time, yeah. right? Like I, I, I'm way more concerned with how we get where we're going than just getting to some destination. And what I mean by that is I care, I say like I care about the people. Um, it's true and it's not true. I, yeah. I don't, it's not that, of course you care about the human being, right? There's gonna be people that come and go in your organization, like from that's there. I care way more about the mission of what we're doing than any individual, including myself, which mm -hmm. I'm always the first person. If somebody thinks they can do a better job than me in this role, yeah, they're we, happy to yeah, take it. Yeah, we fired you a lot. Yeah, we exactly, you have, you have, you have. That's that same, and I'm, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm good with it, right? And I mean that, and then like we, we literally did. removed you from a meeting yes. or two, right? Yes. And, um, and so that is actually, I mean, you're literally living that out. Yes. Um, you know, it's interesting when you think about Livian. So for any listener that doesn't know the connection piece of it, right? It's uh, the, the partnership with with you and, and Gary Keller, Keller yeah. Williams. Um, and you have you had options yeah. and you could do nothing or, or you could continue to grow and evolve. Why Gary Keller and Keller Williams? 
Well, I think he's a, I think he's a great example of somebody who could have, you asked me the same question, I think you asked the same of him, he could have exited out of real estate. Yeah, for sure. Many, many times over. I would imagine. And done anything that he wanted to do. Yeah. And yet he wakes up every day uh, fighting for the real estate professional, uh, wanting to iterate to this next level of what I believe he sees in real estate, um, which I think he does as well too, which is, but you know, every day he wakes up and he's in the headlines mm -hmm. and it's usually not good, right? Like, yeah. and you just kind of, you just kind of, you hear it and you go over it and you move forward with it. And so I think he want, he sees like this next iteration of real estate, like this technology didn't do it, mm -hmm. right? Which everyone thought it was. Yeah, which is awesome. And, yeah. and so now there's like, there's this new level in this new iteration of real estate. And I think he's really excited about seeing the organization through that. Um, and again, so he wakes up every day fighting for the real estate professional and he embodies the culture of, you know, I think he was, he didn't say this as originally, but I heard him say this as the first person to hear him saying it 15 years ago where he said, you know, I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. It's been said many times before that, but I was the first, it was the first time I heard somebody say it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's exactly right. You're just a spiritual being having this human experience. So, you know, I ask everyone this question, which is we're a company of leaders and it's leaders partnering with other leaders. What, what, um, what was it about you as a leader that, um, maybe was, let you let go of your ego or or attachment to name brand recognition whatever it was what was the story that went through your head as a leader to partner with other leaders yeah you know there wasn't much story you know in the very beginning we called ourselves universal properties international okay i don't know if you even knew that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i get a check so from the, there or something. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so the first the first time we ever expanded it was not with that was out my name and then what happened was, is I was going around the country trying to build up the name, the name of what we were doing. And everyone started associating me as Adam Hergenrother and like speaking everywhere and building it up, doing the things that we need to do, but then nobody would know who owned Universal yeah. Properties. And so there actually became this great disconnect. Oh, I joined Universal Properties. Well, who owns that? You're doing that? all what this work, yes, but you're not exactly. getting brand multiplication. So we actually came together and it was kind of similar to what you said before. The actual organization came and said, we need to make it similar so that they can be like her group or whatever yeah. it is until it gets large enough. And that's ultimately what happened was, um, you know, once, and once it got large enough, people understood this. We then easily, when we partnered with Gary, we created Livian, right? As this new brand, this new identity, new feelings, this next iteration of real estate. Um, and it was a very easy to, to drop the name. Um, it wasn't, it was never, it was never for me. I mean, it's just, I mean, just made up letters on the back of somebody's thing, right? <laughs> like people change their names. It's still there. Like, it's just, it's almost irrelevant to me. And so as we wrap up then, what's the message that you give to people given the state of the market now and then where things are going? What, what kind of is the message that you're yeah. sharing most with people? I think people need to um, accept the fact that the last two years, uh, two and a half years, are um, most likely never gonna happen in their real estate career again. Yeah. I mean, is it last 40 years ago, inflation was this high. So maybe if you're in in 40 years, it may happen again, but in, in cycles, like I love, you know, I know you and I are big yeah. Ray Dalio fans and he looks at everything in cycles. Mm -hmm. Likely 30 to 40 years, we may see another inflation hike like this again, based on the cycle. So kind of just make peace with that. And the second thing I would go back to, which is just, can you handle what's happening in life? And if you can't start asking yourself, what part of me really can't? Because once you can learn to handle what's happening in life, you actually get the tools, the models, the systems, they show up for you. It's when you're fighting yourself about yourself. Look, let me say it this way. The moment in front of you is not bothering you. 
you are bothering yourself about the moment in front of you. So the minute you stop bothering yourself about the moment, you see the moment for what it is, and you'll be amazed at how well you can interact with it. And you actually just gain a bunch of clarity, and the decisions become easy because you're not fighting the moment, you're actually in harmony with it. When you're fighting against a current and you're trying to surf, it's almost impossible to get up on the surfboard. The minute you turn it around and you actually start surfing, and you actually going with the thing, you get up very, you know, it's not easy to get up a surfboard, but right. the analogy is there, yeah, right? Of course. You start to get up on a surfboard and you can actually surf. So my, my advice would be to find the current, find the direction that life is going, and flow with it.